welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. starting in the new series called Things That Matter, Things That Don't, and I want to admit that the song uh, Things That Matter, Things That Don't by Rascal Flatts inspired it. So how many country fans do we have here? Eight. We have eight fans. I'm just praying there's a lot more at Faribault. I'm just guessing our Faribault and Minnetrista, I'm just saying, but uh, I, I do sometimes listen to country music. I like Rascal Flatts, and uh, when I was listening to that song, I thought, um, wow, that is really incredible. Things That Matter, Things That Don't. And I was just listening to the lyrics, and I started thinking, Lord, are we living for what matters, or are we living for what really doesn't? And the more I looked at it, the more I realized, you know, we're living for a lot of things that don't matter. And then what were the things that do matter, and what are the things that don't matter? And, and I was going back and forth with this and just kind of uh, going through, oh, that would be good, and that would be good, and that would be good. So in this three-part series, we're going to look at those things that, that matter and the things that don't. And I just want to say this. Um, I'm going to challenge you in this series, and you're going to be challenged, and I'm just saying right up front, if you feel the spirit of conviction on it, be a quick repenter. Just right away, right away where you're at, just right away, God, I confess, that's me, that hits me. When the opportunity is given to pray with a prayer team member, boom, that's it. You may have to make a call to someone in this series. You may have to ask forgiveness. You may have to change something in your life in this series because this is something that could convict you right to the core. So just be a quick repenter. Um, Don't explain it away. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy and and go for it right away and repent. Now, today we're going to look at um, living a lifetime of faithfulness or pursuing 15 minutes of fame. Because in this world we live in, uh, faithfulness and longevity and, and living for something that matters and being faithful to somebody or being faithful to your God really doesn't matter in this world, in this society that we're living in. But man, do people chase after 15 minutes of fame. Hollywood is, has, has magnified it. I mean, they didn't invent it and they don't take the blame, but they sure are like steroids to this, if you know what I mean. They're just like making it so like if you are on the big screen or if you are on the TV or if you are in People Magazine, you are a big deal. And they've kind of made it so chase after the 15 minutes, chase after it, get it any way you can. Marilyn Monroe, she's really like an American icon. I mean, you think back to the life she lived, it's like Marilyn Monroe, here she was a a model, and then she did 30 movies and just a a real short career. She said this when she was getting her star on Hollywood Boulevard and doing that and getting her star. She said, I want a big star more than anything. She said, it's something precious. And she chased after it with all she had. And it didn't matter. She was chasing after things that really didn't matter. And after three divorces and multiple affairs and drug addiction, here she dies at a young age. 
living for stuff that doesn't matter, chasing after all of it. But you could see in the midst of this, there is a struggle because there's another quote that she had, and it was this. She said, Hollywood is a place where they'll pay you $1,000 for a kiss and 50 cents for your soul. $1,000 for a kiss. Man, we would give, but 50 cents, your soul is worth nothing. They're like, chase after it. Get the fame if you can. Man, and, and now, how many know, they won't even give you 50 cents. For, you have to pay them. You have to pay that. It's like, I want to be a star so bad. I want to be a star so bad. I want to be a celebrity. I want to be on the big screen. I want, I want my 15 minutes of fame. And so I have a little list of 15-minute of famers, I'll call them. How many know Octomom had her 15 minutes of fame? How many know what I'm talking about? I don't even want to say her name, but she had like a litter of children. I mean, she was like, I'm going to be famous. It doesn't matter. I'm going to go. And she had her 15 minutes of fame. Some of you may know Steven Slater. He had 15 minutes of fame. He's the flight attendant that when somebody got up to get their overhead bag a little early, he's like, that's it. That's it. I quit. I'm done. Pulls the emergency exit, slides down the slide. How many remember that guy, right? You know, 15 minutes of fame. How about Nicole Pelosi, also known as Snooky? We just couldn't even find a picture where she was modest, so we had to do that, you know. We just couldn't do it, you know, okay. She's like, 15 minutes of fame. How about Ted Williams? The voice, Ted Williams. How many remember that guy? I've got the voice. I couldn't hold it. But he had 15 minutes of fame. How about Kate Gosselin? Kate plus eight, remember that? I got a confession for you. She was getting her 15 minutes of fame. She had a show. She had a book out. We were like this close to signing the contract to having her preach at our church. And then, woo, over the cliff she went. I was like, oh, thank you, Lord, that we didn't sign that deal. But she had her 15 minutes of fame, and people are going after it and chasing after it. When they get out of it, they got to try to do something even crazier to get 15 minutes of fame. One person that if they really do deserve 15 minutes of fame, it's, I stopped to take a picture of this guy's name at Hollywood, Billy Graham. When I stopped to take a picture, I didn't even realize he had like a star on that boulevard. This was just recently the other day. And when I stopped to take the picture, a guy said, that's a guy that deserves a star. That's a guy that deserves it. And I thought, you're right. You're absolutely right. Here's a guy that's shunned the limelight, who's, who's really just said it's about Jesus. And when he's in the limelight, he's talking about Jesus. He's not a, a, a pastor celebrity. He's just like, I'm here to lift up the name of Jesus. But people chase after 15 minutes of fame, and they go after it. They, if I can get a star, if I can be on TV, if I can do this, if people will know my name, and they'll do anything to get there. And you think, well, that's not us. We're, we're like Minnesotans. Like, we're not that, right? We, we, we don't, that's not us. Okay, maybe you don't set your sights on a, a Hollywood Boulevard star right there. But let me ask you a couple questions. How much effort do you put into having people think good about you? How much effort do you think, like, I really want to make a good impression. I want them to think good about me. I want to make sure, do they like me? Are they good with me? How much do you worry about what other people think about you? Was that good? Was that witty? Was that sharp enough? Think about it. Have you ever told the little white lie just to make yourself look better? Just a little, just because you want to be a little bit better. Have you ever changed the hero in the story so you're more of the hero than somebody else? Do you ever take more credit for an idea or, you know, like that, that was more me and you, the other person isn't there, so you take a little more credit? So you don't want celebrity, really? You're not chasing after it. Have you ever gone to an event just to be seen? I have a confession. I've done that. 
I've done it. I've done it. I've said, you know, we just need to be seen here. We need to make our rounds, pop in, make sure we say hi, slide out the back when nobody notices. We need to be seen there, okay? We do that. When you do something special for someone else, do you prefer that it's known or do you prefer that it's anonymous? When you do it for the missionary, do you have to make sure it's known or is it private? When you do it at church, do we need to name a wing after you or you're just like, hey, I'm doing it private. I'm doing it private. Nobody needs to know. I don't want anybody to know what I'm doing. This is quiet. This is absolutely quiet. I love it. We have so many people in our church that have just said, Pastor, I just want to do private things. Can I do private things? And I say, just talk to Jim Garvey. He's our business administrator. Just do it quiet through him. The ushers won't know. The staff won't know. Just do it through our business guy, Jim Garvey, and he'll do it so you can do it anonymous. I love that. But so many of us, we want to sound the trumpets. Look what I did. Look what I'm doing. When you, okay, here's one that's like a church question with like potlucks. When you make a dish for the church potluck, or the church fellowship, do you put your name on your plate so your plate comes back or so that everybody can walk by and go, oh, she made this, <laughs> right? I remember once we were going to one of those things and church picnic, you're supposed to bring something and we didn't have anything. So we stopped and bought a bucket of chicken at KFC. It's like the backup plan. But I will say this, the first thing that people ate was the KFC chicken. You know, you're going through the line, you're like, that looks safe, chicken. You know, so anyways, but what do you do? Do you do it for your glory? Are you trying to get your 15 minutes? Hey, pastor, use me. Make sure that I'm seen. Make sure, use me. Put me up there. It's 15 minutes of fame, and it's something that all of us struggle with. So if you have your Bibles, turn me to Genesis chapter 11. We're gonna look at the first human account of this. And I wanna tell you this as you're turning there, that the first real account of somebody needing 15 minutes of fame was really the devil, Lucifer, Satan. He needed 15 minutes. He said, I'm going to be great. I'm gonna, I want to be just as good as God. And uh, we know that it didn't end well for him. And we can't really relate to Satan in that way. He was an angelic created being. So let's relate to humans. And we have the first human account of somebody trying to get 15 minutes of fame. Genesis chapter 11 in verse 1, it says, At one time the whole earth spoke the same language. It so happened that as they moved out of the east, they came upon a plain in the land of Shinar, and they settled down. They said to one another, Come, let's make bricks and fire them well. They used brick for stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let's build ourselves a city and a tower that reaches heaven. Let's make ourselves famous so we won't be scattered here and there across the earth. Let's make ourselves famous. Let's compare ourselves to God. You know, God's what matters. He's what matters. God matters. We don't. But let's go ahead and let's build a building so that we can say we matter. Let's build a tower that reaches up to God and we can show off how great we are. And it started there. How many know it hasn't stopped? People are like, I'm going to build a tower. I'm going to build two towers. I'm going to build lots of buildings. I'm going to build great things. And you will remember me. I will name the tower after me. And no matter what you build, I mean, let's just face it, it comes up short, doesn't it? Let me compare those towers to the Grand Canyon. I mean, and they don't even come close to an ocean, let alone like the Gulf of Mexico. You know what I'm talking about? They don't even come close. And yet we say, I'm going to build this tower. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to be famous. And that's where they started. 
Let's make ourselves famous. Let's make a name for ourselves. And in the midst of this, it just, it clouds their judgment. They start thinking, we're gonna be better than God. We're gonna, we're gonna overtake God. We're gonna be famous. It clouds their judgment. And how many know in that story, God's looking down, he's like, look at these guys. They're unified. They're doing this. They're making this tower. I'm gonna scatter them. I'm gonna confuse their language. Now they're not gonna be able to complete the tower. Because there's only one thing that we should be living for, and that's God. And yet we want to make a name. We want 15 minutes. Well, God, it my 15 minutes. And when you're in this, if you're pursuing 15 minutes of fame, how many know that all of a sudden it will blind you to sin? It will blind you to sin. Psalm 36, verses 1 and 2 says this, an oracle is with my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear of God before his eyes. For his own eyes, in his own eyes, he flatters himself too much to detect or hate his sin. So even if you point it out to somebody that's trying to get famous, even if you point it out to them like, hey, you know, this is like a blind spot here, some here, they're like, what? That's not sin for me. That's not sin for me. I, I, I'm above that. I'm better than that. And they say, you can't even see it when it's pointed out to you. You can't even admit it. Now, there's another story in the Bible that talks about um, people that are going after fame. And Solomon is one of them. If you have your Bibles, turn me to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and then also get Ecclesiastes chapter 7. So we're going to have two spots here. Solomon was an amazing, amazing man. And he writes a lot about this, about vanity and about people going after things and chasing after money and stuff and all the things that you can go after. And I was starting to think, like, what was Solomon like? Like, if we could get a picture of Solomon, who he was, he was the smartest man on earth. So he's, like, got the brains of Albert Einstein. He was great-looking guy. Great-looking guy. So he's like, looks like Brad Pitt, okay? So he's got the brains of Einstein that looks like, he's got 700 wives and 300 concubines. Okay, so he's like Hugh Hefner, okay? So he's got this combo platter, and he's the richest guy on the earth, and he's like Bill Gates. You put him in a blender, you got Solomon, okay? That's the guy, okay? So here he is, and he's saying, here's what's going on, and he says, in Ecclesiastes 1, verses 9 through 11, he says, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. And there's nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one could say, look, this is something new? It was already long ago. It was here before our time. There is no remembrance of men of old, and even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. And he says, you know what? He said, we're going after this. We're trying to build it. We're trying to make a name for ourselves, and people are going to forget the name. He said, that's what happens. It's the way society is. You will build something. You will try to name it. You'll do it. And, and after a while, we'll drive by and we'll go like, what is that for? Well, I don't know. We forget. And he says, we don't remember the men of old. This generation forgets who they were. You talk to anybody that's older, that's like a baseball fan. And they're like, oh, I remember back in the day with this player. You know, and, the, and the, this generation's like, who? You know, well, Hank Aaron. You know, Hank Who? You know, we forget who the stars were. We forget, and that's what Solomon was saying. They forget the men of old. But then he says this in Ecclesiastes 7.1. He says, a good name is better than fine perfume. He said, that's what it's about. You're living for, not for the fame, but a good name. And what he meant in Hebrew culture, he said, it's a good name that when people say your name, they say, that's a guy that honored God. That's a guy who raised his family in the ways of the Lord. That, when you say his name, we know that that guy was a God follower. 
That's what it meant. And in the Hebrew culture, it was a shame if that's not what they said about you after you died. And he said, it's better than fine perfume. And in their culture, perfume was so expensive. So he's saying it really matters. All this stuff over here that you may be chasing after, but what you should be going after is a good name that says, I honor God. Perfume may last a day, a week, maybe a month, okay, if you saturate yourself, but it's going to go away. But he says a good name will go on and on and on. And let me just ask you this. When they say your last name, do people go, hey, or do they go, oh? <laughs> do they say, that's a good smell when you say that name? That's a good smell. When they say the last name Ketterling, do people go, oh, yeah, that's my pastor. That's my neighbor. He's my realtor. He works for me. Oh, his crazy mom is our neighbor with her little tattoo. I mean, so what do they say? What do they say? She gave me permission. Anyways, <laughs> what do they say about your name? And in this statement, he's not saying fame. He's saying godly character, that you lifted up the name of God. Right. Now, there's one more thing with Solomon. Ecclesiastes uh, 7.6 in that same chapter, he says, like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so is the laughter of fools. This too is meaningless. And so as I'm studying this, I'm, I'm looking at this this week and I realize I got to look at this. What does he mean? And he means like that little kindling stuff that starts at the fire and, and, and it cracks and it snaps and it pops and it goes real quick, real fast, makes a lot of smoke, but it will not cook the meal. And he said, those people that are all party, laugh, live it up, they are like the thorn bush that's hot real quick, but it's over, 15 minutes of fame. If you're going to have a life that matters, you need to be cooking with oak or maple or ash. You need something strong that's there. And he said, your life needs to be strong, not just a burst. And he says, it's like the people that just are laughing all the time. Does that not explain reality TV? Oh, look at me. We're so stupid. We're drunk. Look at how stupid we are. We're, ah, we fell in the pool. Ah, ah. Can I tell you something? The situation and Snooky are not your role models, okay? They are like thorn bushes, crack, snapple, pop, they're over, okay? It's done. The people that should be our role models are the ones that are faithful for a long time. And so at this campus and every campus, I want anyone that has been married for 20 years or more I want you to stand up. You are our heroes. Come on, stand up here and at every campus. You are our heroes. 20 years or more. Yep. That's what it's about. That is longevity. That's what matters. Faithfulness matters. Chasing after that doesn't. Now, there's one more example that I want to use, Paul and Demas. Paul and Demas. And a lot of you don't even know this guy, Demas, but he's in the Bible. And I can tell you, um, a lot of people don't name their kids Demas. Matter of fact, I've never met a Demas. And I think there's two reasons. The first one is kind of silly, but the name Demas sounds like demon, right? You know, it's like, uh, is my kid Demas? Demon? What? You know, like, what did you name your kid? You know, so that's, first of all, like one knock against the name, okay? But the second thing is, it doesn't end well with Demas, some of you didn't even know he's in the Bible, okay? But it doesn't end well with Demas. And I want to point this out and contrast him with the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, amazing. It ends well with the Apostle Paul. Demas does not end well with him. Paul, living for what matters, Demas does not. Matter of fact, this is what it says about Paul. 
In Philippians chapter 3, verses 7, 8, he says, he's getting done talking about all the great things in his life, and he says, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. He says, it's rubbish. I mean, I'm living for Jesus. I know what matters. And I know the world says all these other things matter, but they don't. The only thing that really matters is living for Jesus. So that's the Apostle Paul. Then we have this guy, Demas. And in AD 60, Paul is writing the book that we know as Philemon, the letter to uh, Philemon. So we know it as that. And in chapter 1, verse 23 and 24, it says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greeting, and so do Mark. Aristarchus, which you don't want to name your kid that either, and then Demas and Luke, my fellow workers. You get that? He says Demas. Now, he's in prison. He's in his first time in jail, and he's writing this around AD 60, and he says, Demas is a fellow worker. He's with me. Okay? Stick with me. AD 62, approximately, Paul writes Colossians, and in 414, he says, our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. So Demas has been a fellow worker, and now we see he's in a good life group. He's with a doctor. Okay, so he's a good, he's in a good group. He's got this going on. Now we get to AD 67. It's important in the timeline. 60, 62, 67. Paul writes 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Did you catch that? Demas is gone. And he just isn't gone because he had a better opportunity in ministry. He's gone. He's left God. He loves the present world so much that he leaves the apostle Paul. He's there. We got the progression. He's a fellow worker. He's in with the right people. He's a leader. And all of a sudden, he forsakes Paul and leaves not only Paul, but leaves God. And we don't hear from Demas again. We hope that he repents. We hope that he comes back. But the way that it's drawn up there is Demas is gone. And the world represents the popular culture and thinking that is opposed to God. It's rebellion to God. And Demas is gone. He's out of here. And in this, let me just stop for just a second. Those of you that are here that are strong, you're saying, I, I, I'm with God. Pastor Rob, I'm strong. I was at Easter. I brought a friend. I'm, I'm solid in Jesus. I'm good. I'm there. Well, something happened to Demas in the process. He went from hot to cold to leaving the faith. Don't stop doing what you're doing. Stay strong with God. Some of us say, well, I used to run that, but now I don't. Turn it over to somebody else. I used to do that, now I don't. That's for somebody else. I'll pass that off. It's not important that I'm doing those little things anymore. I'm kind of more mature. I don't need those things anymore. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I found a quote from one pastor, G.W. DeMarest. He said, yesterday's trophies do not win today's race. And some of us say, well, I used to do that. I used to do that. It doesn't win today's race. So if you're strong, stay strong. Don't stop. Don't change. Stay strong. Keep doing those things. Keep going for it. And don't let up. Because what happens is coldness creeps in. 
And if you were closer to God three years ago, five years ago, seven years ago, I'm asking you to repent. I'm asking you to come to the realization, stop making excuses like Psalm says, you know, I don't even see it. Don't make excuses. If you're not as close to God as you were, then repent. And at the end of service, make your way forward. Find somebody to pray with. You used to be hot. You know how to pray. Come to the altar. Take a knee. Get on fire with God. Don't let the enemy get a spot in there. Because the Bible is full of people that had a great moment, and then in their 15 minutes were defined by something terrible. Noah has this amazing story of building the ark, and then in his 15 minutes of shame instead of fame, he gets drunk and gets naked. I mean, how bad is that? And and so we know this about him. It's like, great guy, bad 15 minutes, okay? We have Moses parting the Red Sea, great story, leading the and then he's got a temper problem, and he's beating things with a stick. God's like, no, no, you're out. Bad 15 minutes. David kills Goliath then sins with Bathsheba. Peter, disciple for God, walking on water. Amazing. Then denies the Lord. I mean, you see this? We know these stories about them because we know about their 15 minutes of fame or shame. But here's the thing. Let me speak to a second group. If that's you and you're here and you're saying, I know, I know, I know. I've got this area. It's, it's tripping me up. It's, it's struggling. I'm tempted. I'm, I'm close to falling or I did fall and I'm here. Can I tell you something? All the people I mentioned, that did not define them. That wasn't their end, okay? That was something that happened. That was something they had to pay the consequences for. That was something that they had to go through. But the Bible says they came through to the other side. And God says that to you today. He says you can come through to the other side. You can come through. There's an opportunity if you'll call upon him, if you'll confess your sins, if you'll turn from him. He said, I'm there, I'm there. Don't let that define you. And so if you're here at the end of service, come up, ask for prayer. Say, I've been tempted in this area. I need help. I've fallen over here, but I don't want that to define me. What a great opportunity we have to live for God. Chuck Colson just went to be with the Lord. Amazing guy that was in prison. That could have defined him, but he gave his life to Jesus Christ. Started a prison ministry, reached around the world. I read his stuff. Brilliant guy. Ministered to me. His end is better than his fall. And and for all of us, our end can be better than the fall that we had. So if we've fallen, let's get back up and let's ask God to forgive us and let's not be defined by that 15 minutes there. Back to Paul. 2 Timothy 4, 7. He says, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. That is why we're like, I want to name him Paul, man. That's a great name. That's a great thing to aspire to. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. And here's the amazing thing here, and I, and I want to say this. It's funny because um, I am not one of those everybody gets a trophy kind of guys. I'm not one of those kind of guys. We're all winners. We didn't keep score. You know, I keep score, all right? So I keep score. You know, I'm like, no, you lost, okay? You know, I mean, and it's like, all right, that's direct parenting 101. All right, and even like when Logan came up to me, he's like, Dad, uh, do I sing as good as Connor? And I'm like, nope. He's like, serious? I'm like, no, Connor's a better singer. Now you're a better artist. You draw way better than him. And that's just, okay, so I'm not the everybody gets a trophy, all right? Okay? But I'll tell you this. When it comes to following Jesus, are you ready for this? Everybody can get a trophy. Everybody can get a trophy. It, 
following Jesus is not who finishes first, it's who finishes. Who finishes? At another service, I saw a guy, and he was wearing a marathon jacket, and you know what it said on the back? Finisher. Finisher. And I was like, you got the prize. You were a finisher. And that's what God says. If you are a finisher, it doesn't matter if you started late. It doesn't matter if you fell down. It doesn't matter if you got bruised. It doesn't matter what happened. If you are a finisher, you get a prize. And you get to take that prize someday and lay it at the feet of Jesus. Say, I finished. I finished. I finished. It's living for what matters and not living for the things that don't. And it'd be a shame. It would be an absolute shame to be famous in the world and not known by God. It'd be a shame. So let's live for what matters. It's all about living for God and not about 15 minutes of fame. So Father, I pray right now that you would help us. I pray that you'd help us to realize it's about living for you. It's about living for the things that matter. I pray for those that have lived for things that don't matter. We've chased fame. We chased whatever. And we want a name. We want something. We want it named after us. Or we want to be on TV. Or we want to have the pride issue. We want to be recognized. We want the awards. God, I pray that we would not live for 15 minutes of fame, but we'd instead lift up your name. That's what we want to live for. And so I pray for that. And I pray for people that are strong. I pray they'd always stay strong. They'd always stay strong. They'd stay faithful in the little things. They'd not count yesterday's trophy, but they'd still be strong today. And I pray, Lord Jesus, for those people that have fallen, that they would get back up. That failure will not define them. And I pray, Lord Jesus, for those that are saying, I want to run the race. I want to run the race. I don't even know. I've been living for myself. I've been living for my name. I pray, God, that they'd live for your name and they'd find their way to somebody in the church that would pray with them and help them to find an authentic relationship with you. Things that matter, things that don't. Lord, we want to live for the things that matter. So I thank you for that, and I pray that we truly would live that way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.